Shalom everybody. Okay, we are continuing with where we left off in the Kutah Lachot, section Birkat, section Orachayim, the laws of Birkat Hoda'ah, blessings of thanksgiving, uh, discourse number 6, based on the Kutah Moran lesson 24. We're still in paragraph 23. At this point, Rav Nosin begins to develop the next verse from Parashat Vezot Bracha, where it's, it's dealing with Moshe Rabbeinu's final words and in a sense the final message to all of Am Yisrael after blessing all of them his final words, what he has to say and because of this it's very heavy there's like a general, general meaning in these last words of Moshe Rabbeinu as like a general clause for all of Judaism for all of Torah for all of the creation in these words okay so we, re- we already elaborated verse 26 this is chapter 33 of Dvarim Verse 26 we did in the last classes, Ein Ka'ed Yeshurun, Rochev Shamayim Be'ezrecha, Uvgavato Shechakim. Now Avnosin goes into the following verse, Me'ona, Elohe Kedem. This like uh, Shishi begins, in, uh, the Ali of Shishi begins at this verse. Again, depends on your customs, Fardi Ashkenaz, on Simcha Torah. Me'ona, Elohe Kedem. The verse breaks down to four, but there are really three parts. First part, What is this? This hey, Rav Rashi explains, whatever was mentioned in the previous verse, there's no God like your God, Yishurun. The, the one who rides over the heavens comes to your assistance. And in his haughtiness, he's Shechakim. Like we explained, he's the one who was able to grind the manna, da'at, for the tzaddikim. And then Rashi says, all this belongs to Lema'on Eloi Kedem. All this is to the Ma'on, the heaven which is called Ma'on. Of all of these Shechakim and Shamayim, these Rekiim, they're all considered part of Hashem's dwelling place. All this is a dwelling place for the God who is always there. What does it mean? Was this dwelling place? What does it mean that the Shechak, Hashem dwells in the Shachak? Hashem dwells in the Rosh Hashemayim? Yes, but no. Maon, they explain, is like a temporary dira, a temporary dwelling place. It's a Maon. It's not fixed. He's saying here, Rashi, all this is serves as a dwelling place to give these benefits to Israel, the Shachakim and the Shamaim. They are a dwelling place, a heaven dwelling place for Elokei Kedem, the God who was ancient, who was first before everything, before all of creation. Again, a hint to the infinite light when Hashem was just infinite light before creation. Okay? And under this... Uh, ability, this presentation of Hashem being in the Ma'on, as a result, umitachat zrot olam, fall under Hashem are the zrot olam, the big shots of this world. Like Rashi says, examples Sichon and Og, people who try to convince that they run the world, they're the major power of the world. Umitachat, it's saying underneath Hashem, as if to say they're 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 nothing. Are who? The Zro'ot. Zro'ot is an expression. Someone who's a Bal Zro'ah. In Hebrew, that means someone who has strong hands. Someone who has power. Are the powers of the world are underneath. And then, the next, the last part of the verse, but Hashem is so great that you, the little weak Jewish people, because you have access to Elokei Kedem because of the Ma'on, 
So Hashem is Vaigarish Mipanecha. If Hashem exiles, kicks off, destroys from before your face, you do Jewish people, or you have your enemies, Vayomer, and he says to destroy them, Vayomer Hashmed, to destroy these enemies. So now that's the verse. Let us see how Rav Nosen opens this up. Rav Nosen now, he's going to show how these, this verse relates to the other concepts mentioned in Likutei Moran Lesson 24. So he says like this, Rav Nosen, This is the meaning of this verse. It is a, a dwelling place to the primordial Lord, the God who is before everybody else, Kedem. So he explains Rav Nosen, what is this trying to say? From the items mentioned in verse 26, that Hashem rides over the heavens and yet He assists you. He allows you to draw light from the infinite light even though it's way above heavens, way above your reach. Hashem is above the seventh heaven. Right? He's Rochev Shamayim, we said. He's above all seven heavens. They're all called the heavens. Everything in the word heavens, Shamayim, the heaven of the heavens, the firmaments, you name it. Everything is called Shamayim. And Hashem is above everything else. And yet He comes to help you. Over Gavato, and this is His greatness, His Gavato, that is able to constrict Himself, allow Himself to be perceived, which is the mana, the da'at of the mana, the da'at of the infinite holiness of Hashem, infinite light of Hashem. Shechakim. He allows himself to be grinded, his perspective, perception, to be available to the tzaddikim. That's the idea of shachak, like we said. Okay? So Rav Nosen saying, from this, because this happens, so what's, what's in, in, inside this procedure, this process, from this is created what Rabbi Nachman mentions in Lesson 24. The nine chambers. These nine chambers is a concept very, very important. It's fundamental. And it applies to every Jew. It applies especially to tzaddikim, yes. But it applies to every Jew. Where you have the ability and the capacity to perceive according to your level the infinite light. You have the capacity and ability through your mind, your brain... The brain power, which is divided in three sections, Chochmah, Bina, Da'at, knowledge, understanding, and wisdom, okay? Through them, to be a vessel, even though you're a finite existence, you're limited in your perception of the world, of God, of creation, of His infinite light, still you can be a vessel to perceive in a passing format, mate vela mate, reaching and not reaching, touching and not touching, perceiving and not perceiving the infinite light, that your diet is open. And like Rabbi Nachman says in Chaim Moran, when the, Hashem opens the mind of a person to see the depth of what he's really going through in life and what's happening in life, there's no greater simcha and consolation than that. When you know what's happening, when you know the real truth of reality, of existence, there's no greater consolation. When Da'at is just opened, like it says by, uh, by Yechezko, Shamayim Niftechu, right? Nidgalu Shamayim, all these types of verses there by Yechezko and by Yeshayahu. Also, the heavens were opened and you see clearly. You see clearly. Also by Harsina, Atahoret Aladat, Hashem opened all seven Rekiim, Rashi says, right? Rashi quotes the Gemara, Chazal. All seven heavens were opened for the Jews to see that there's no other God, only Hashem. When the clarity is open, that's the greatest consolation, okay? 
So not every Jew according to the level can have that experience in his lifetime. Maybe not fixed, but it happens. And after it happens, you have that lasting impression from that experience to keep you going for the rest of your life, Bezat Hashem. That's why it happens, to give you that energy and light to go on. So, with that said, Rav Nosson saying here, Your Chochma Bin Adat, when Hashem is good to you, when you deserve it, when you deserve it, when you strengthen yourself to be happy about yourself, happy about your mitzvah performance, which means even though it's down and out, even though you know that your level of connection to God is very low, very weak, your davening is so, so upside down and mumbled and mixed up, and yet you're happy about yourself that you're still zochet to put on tefillin, and you're still zochet to put to daven, I have the merit to do good, to do good, and you're happy about that, so you earn the benefit of your mind your chokhmah bin adat, the three sections of your mind, being able to pursue and run forward. And then when that happens, when Hashem sees that you want to perceive more, you want to come closer to Hashem, you want to have that experience of the infinite light, you are bounced back, there's a boundary, you hit, and by being bounced back, what happens is your chokhmah bin adat become intertwined twingled and mixed so they become what's called three times three they become a multiple factor because you have one two three or abc acb bac you have combinations and from the perspective of each one of the three it's a total of nine believe it or not because you have the one two three of the one the two one three of the one the three, one, two of the one, and then you have of the two, you have the one, two, three of the two, the two, one, three of the two, and the three, one, two, three, two, one of the, of the two, and then above the three. So it has nine combinations of being a, a, a different perspective of Chochmah Bina Dat, where sometimes the Bina precedes the Chochmah or the Dat, it's all mixed up. They create nine different perspectives in a person's mind these nine which are created by the bang in this wall enable a person if he takes it properly and takes it with simcha the bounce back to be able to perceive the infinite light through these nine verses (coughs) one second please okay so this Rav Nosson saying, Mizeh, from this process that Hashem is Rochev Shamaim on the one hand, Hashem is riding over the heavens, He's, he's unfathomable. Ain't Kael Yeshurun, like we said, there's no other God like God because you can't perceive Him. And, and yet the one who's above the heavens is God who's infinite light. He comes to your assistance, and His greatness, Hashem's haughtiness, He's able to allow, His perception, perception was like the mana, to be grinded. The mana, in a sense, is the perceiving the infinite light. So it's grounded for the tzaddikim, that's the initially, okay? And this serves a purpose for every every Jew. And from this is a ma'on, the dwelling place of Hashem, elokei kedem. This is the dwelling place of Hashem. Where does this take place? In the dwelling place of Hashem. Where is the dwelling place of Hashem? Rav Nelson says, the nine chambers. The nine chambers is just a vessel. And yet... Hashem allows it to be a dwelling place for you to perceive Him. Your nine chambers that you create by being bounced back and accepting it properly and going on in life, 
you create these nine chambers of your dot, they serve to be a ma'on, a dwelling place for the Elokei Kedem, the God who was before everything else, the infinite light, when Hashem was just everywhere, and it was just Hashem, that's called the infinite light. Elokei Kedem is another term for the infinite light, the Orin Sof. Me'onah, now your, your nine that you created, the nine chambers by being bounced, bounced back, are now a dwelling place for Hashem. That's what Nosen saying. Ki mizei they serve these nine chambers now serve to be a dwelling place and a home for the God who is before everything else which is like a contradiction he was before everything else doesn't apply to Hashem the term Dira Ma'on a dwelling place Hashem was everywhere Hashem is the dwelling place of everything else we're in Him <laughs> and yet Hashem allows the Ma'on this to be a dwelling place for God the Shechakim, the, the, the ability for Hashem to bring himself down, which Rav Nosen explained, this is the nine chambers, okay? He goes on to prove this idea. Because through these nine chambers, like we said in the lesson many, many times, does one perceive the infinite light? Like we said earlier, in the format of reaching and not reaching, touching and not touching, attainable and unattainable, right? You're in and out. And this format of perceiving God, this is His dira. This is how Hashem is perceived, and it's as if Hashem dwells in this setting, in this scenario of in and out, which means anybody who thinks they can just be totally nullified in Hashem, you're wrong. So long as you're in a physical existence, you can you cannot have that. To have that, you have to disappear and become united in the infinite light. No problem. But that's not how Hashem wants things. Hashem wants things to be in and out. This is His dira. This is Hashem's home. This is how you can perceive Hashem while in this existence of the creation. That's how it is. In and out. You're not just in. No, but I want. I want to be connected. Take it easy. Take it easy. It's in and out in life. That's how it is. And Hashem's dira is in this format. Okay? Bechinad, Rav Nosen brings a proof to this idea that Ma'on is like a dwelling place for, for the Jewish people to experience while in exile or while in this world. Bechinad, like it says in Psalms, chapter 90, the verse written by Moshe Rabbeinu, Tfilah Moshe, chapter 90, 90, verse 1. Amazing verse. Tfilah Moshe. Right, a prayer for Moshe, who was the man of God. He says, "My Lord, Aleph Dalit Nun Yun, not Yud Kevavke, Aleph Dalit Nun Yun, which is the receptacle, the name that's a receptacle for Yud Kevavke. It's written Aleph Dalit Nun Yud, and that's how we pronounce Yud Kevavke, because it's the dwelling place, believe it or not, for Yud Kevavke, Yud Kevavke, because it's too too strong. So we can perceive Yud Kevavke only through Aleph Dalit Nun Yud." You, Hashem, were a dwelling place for us from generation to generation. The commentaries explain that wherever the Jews traveled, the Shekhinah was with them. In exile, because it's a future prophecy also, this verse by Moshe Rabbeinu, it's if wherever the Jews will be, the Divine Presence is with them. Hashem is with, dwells by the Jewish people in exile. So Rav Nosen is saying here, this is Ma'ona Taitalan, you are dwelling past, but in exile. Hashem, you're so high. One of the seven heavens is called Ma'on, the Gemar and Chagiga that we saw in the last class. Rabbi Shobin Levi, what he says, that Ma'on is the fifth, the fifth term of the seven heavens. It's called Ma'on, right? You have Vilon, Rakia, uh, Zvul, 
I have to remember this, the order. Shamaim Zvul, and then you have Maon. So Shechakim, we said, sorry. With Vilon, Rakia, Shechakim, that's three. And then number four is Zvul, or Shamaim. And then number five is Maon, and number six is Zvul, I think. After I've checked the Gemara again. One second, let's try to see this quickly. Here we go. Right, Vilon number one, Turakia, Shechakim three, Zvul, like I said, I was right. Zvul is four, Maon is number five. Okay, fine. So, so no sense proof is that Hashem was with us from generation to generation in all of our traveling. While in exile, the Shekhinah was with us. And it's called Maon, Hashem's dwelling place, even though He's way above, way above everything else. Yet he chooses that his dwelling place, his ma'on, is with us. You hear that? Hashem's dwelling place is with us. You as you are, not connected to the infinite light, detached, away, in exile, in this world. Because it says, ma'onata ha'yita lanu. You were, you were our dwelling place. Midor ledor. You were, you were with us wherever we were. Where is Hashem to be found? By the Jewish people. The Shekhinah is there. This and it that it calls it Maon instead of like another word. The verse could have said like Shchinatcha Haita Itanu. Could use another term. No, it uses Maon, which is a dwelling place, a dira, but a temporary one. Because Hashem, yes, He allows Himself to to be perceived temporarily, Matei Vela Matei, reaching and not reaching. And how with the Jewish people, which means when being bounced back, we're not in the run towards upwards, but backwards. Okay. That's why I've no sense proof to Ma'on that this is the, the idea of the nine chambers created is how we perceive Hashem. So he says that's Ma'ona Kedem. That's how Rav explains the first part of the verse. Okay? So this is the Ma'on Elohim. The Ma'on is the nine chambers allows us to perceive the Eloi Kedem. Okay? It's a dwelling place through, through visualizing, perceiving the Eloi Kedem. Now the next part of the verse Rav Nosen goes into Vezehu Umitachat Zrot Olam And from under Underneath this the Ma'ona Kedem, underneath this accomplishment are the Zrot Olam. Rav Nosan explains like this, and it's a line of Rashi in a sense. Shenoflin Hazroot that the strength, the arm strength, and the force of the evil side falls. It's mitachat. So mitachat and underneath when you act activate Ma'ona Kedem, the dwelling place for the if initial God the, the, or the infinite light when you activate that which as Rabbi Nachman explains in lesson 24 through creating the nine chambers by accepting the bounce back properly with joy as a result underneath this meona, this dwelling place the nine chambers they're under now you've now, you've now overpowered them Shenoflim, they fall, the Zerot and the Gabrut, the strengthening power of the evil side the other side okay so he explains it better. What causes the hands, specifically arms? Why the term zroa? Why a reference to the arm power? Because if you remember in lesson 24, the whole way to reach the nine chambers is through the hands, the yadaim. He said there, if you remember, just a quick recap, that when a person does mitzvot besimcha, he's able to elevate 
the divine presence and the mitzvah itself, which is Hashem's name hidden in the mitzvah, Mem Tzadik is, corresponds to Yud and then Vav K in mitzvah, that's Vav K in Hashem's name. When you do mitzvah besimcha, you're able to elevate the shechina, the mitzvah, the holiness from the klipot, and then they reaches the level of the legs. The legs is now that the mitzvah has momentum and gets everyone involved in belief of Hashem, towards back to Hashem. When you succeed in getting momentum in the world, causing momentum towards God in the world through your mitzvot done with joy, you activate what's called the hands. The hands are the seat of the bracha. The main bracha bring the birkata sechel. You are now ready to receive the blessing of the intellect. And the next stage is to go up and up and up to hit the keter, and at the keter, the crown which is above the head, then the intellect of a person is bounced back, creating the nine chambers. And once that's done, the nine chambers then can, can shine into a person, even though he's in a bounced back format, the infinite light. Something which is so uncomprehensible, two opposites, uncomprehensible. Infinite light on one hand, and my physicality and my mundanity on the other hand, and yet I'm able to perceive Hashem in that mundanity. How do you explain that? A crazy, unbelievable. Okay? So he says, though, but going back, the arms, the hands, the arms, because the arms are an extension of the hands, obviously, the arms serve the purpose for the hands, the receiving receptacle and blessing power of the hands. So he says, that's why the verse says, Tachat Zrot Olam. And Rabbi says, not by chance that he uses the term for the arms. Because the way we come to the Me'ona, the Ma'on of God, is and, and thus let allow the enemies to fall, like he says in the lesson, watch, watch coming up soon, Rabbi is going to that also, by allowing the hands and the arms of holiness being strong, because they received the bracha, because of, I started off by doing the mitzvah b'simcha, I now merit to this level of a strong hand and strong arms, which automatically cause the evil hands, the arms of the evil and the strength of the evil to fall. Shesham kol brachot, because there, like we said, the hands of holiness that you elevate and activate by doing mitzvah with joy, the concept of the hands, that is the seed of all the blessings, v'chule, etc., kainiz like we mentioned many times, the main blessing being the blessing of the intellect. And then through this the final part of the verse And through this the last part of the verse once you've subdued overpowered your enemies now you're able to destroy them. And Hashem now exiled kicked away from before you the Jewish people your enemy and He says destroy them. What's the idea of destroying the Klippo the enemy? The enemy at this point when you're Zohar to do the mitzvot b'simcha and now reach the, the awareness of God. And like we said, the biggest consolation in life is when you have awareness of Hashem in your life. Total crystal clear awareness of the infinite light shining. There's no more enemies because everything has meaning. Everything makes sense. There's no en the enemies fall. The, the whole job of the enemies is to make you worried more, to make you fear more, to make you sad more. But when you have clarity, there's no sadness, there's no worry, there's no pressure. Everything's clear. The enemy can't do anything to you. The goal of the enemy, of the evil, is to throw you into a panic, into worry, into atzvut, sadness. But if now you have clarity, and the clarity gives such simcha in life, the enemy lost. He can't do anything. So he's destroyed. There's no reason for the enemy to exist. Your enemies fall without standing. No, no ability to have any rise. No rise of the dark side. Nothing. Like it says, the verse Rabbi Nachman quotes from Samuel 2, Shmuel Bet, 
verse, chapter 8, verse 2, where it says about King David, what he did to Moab, when he captured Moab, as a retribution for Moab killing, killing David's parents and brothers. It says that Yishai was killed at the age of 400. And also, David's mother was killed and his brothers were killed because they fled to Moab for security because the enemies of David wanted to attack David, King David's parents and his family. So he went to Moab. What, what did Moab do instead? Moab killed his parents. So as retribution for that, it says there in, 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 in Shmuel Samuel 2, chapter 8, verse 2, that once he took over Moab, he lied them down. He, put, he measured a measuring tape, okay? And he lied down the bodies of the Moabites while they're still alive along the lines of this measuring tape. And it says something very interesting. Whatever was two-thirds, he killed. Whatever was one-third, he, he survived. So in other words, whatever passed a certain level in the measuring tape, he cut off from their bodies, killing them. Okay, one-third was left. If they were short, for example, they were able to live. There's many interpretations of this. You have to look into the Gemara. What does it mean one-third survived and then two-thirds were killed? Basically, though, he killed his enemy. He measured his enemies in order to kill them. Whoever, of the measuring, whoever was over two-thirds was killed. Whoever was under one-third was saved. That's basically one of the simple explanations of this verse. So, but, but Rabbi Nachman uses this verse in the end of Likud Temer on Lesson 24 to show that this is what's going to happen with the, when the future redemption, that the enemies will be killed. So too, this idea that when this happens, this procedure happens of the infinite light shining into a person until such a level that there's no more uh, mitzvah, kedusha, shechina trapped in the klipot so then there's, all the enemies will be totally destroyed and the verse he brings is this verse which is said about King David's battle of Moab but it's also used as a f- term for the future redemption so King David measured them with a rope he laid them down on the earth measured them and like that he, two thirds he killed of the, of the measuring, whoever, whoever was up to two-thirds was killed, one-third was saved. This is just in context of what we're saying here, is that the enemies are totally destroyed. So this is the last part of this verse, right? All this is because of when you create a ma'on, a dwelling place for the God, the, of perceiving the infinite light, you merit that your enemies fall. You have enemies, here's the, here's the plan. This is the procedure. This is the recipe and, and the remedy to deal with them. Create a dwelling place for the primordial God. How? By allowing for nine chambers to happen. And how do you start with that? By being besimcha. Doing the mitzvah besimcha will lead to this level. Bezrat Hashem.